Good evening and welcome once again to our weekly Bible study at coming to you from Six Mile Cross Free Presbyterian Church. As always, it is a joy to have you joining with us on this Wednesday evening. And it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless and encourage each one as we gather around his precious word once again this evening. Just to remind you of our services as they continue, our youth meeting is in the church on Friday night at 8pm. And if you're a young person in the area, we do extend to you a very warm welcome indeed to come and have fellowship even with us there in the church. The services on Sunday begin with the Sunday school in the morning at 10.30 and then the normal time for the service is 11.30 and 7pm. And it would be a joy to have even you joining with us if you're in the area to come and to have fellowship around God's word and to worship the one true and living God. So we do extend to each one very warm invitation to come 11.30 and 7pm each Lord's Day as we gather together to worship the Lord God. Now we continue our series on mountaintop experiences and this evening I invite you if you have a Bible to turn to Genesis chapter 32. To Genesis chapter 32 over these last number of weeks we have been spending some time going from mountaintop to mountaintop and we come to another one again this evening. So Genesis chapter 32, I want to break into the reading at the verse 22 and we'll read down to the end of the chapter. Genesis chapter 32, the verse 22 and speaking of uh, Jacob, the word of God says, and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women's servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook, and sent them over, and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched a hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel. The sun rose upon him. And he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank. Which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day. Because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. In the sinew that shrank. Amen. And we trust and pray that the Lord will once again add his own blessing to the reading of his infallible word. We come this evening in our mountaintop experiences to Mount Peniel. And Mount Peniel is the conquering experience. The conquering experience. I invite you just to have a word of prayer with me even now as we seek the Lord for his help. Our loving God and our Father in heaven, we bow before thee. Come into thy most holy presence in and through the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee, O God, again for another opportunity to 
come aside from all of the worldly activities and to come around thy word and to study it together. We do pray that it will be a blessing to each one, not just the reading, but indeed the preaching of thy word, that we will study it together and even through it that the Lord will have the glory in our lives even at this time. Lord bless us we pray, fill us with thy spirit even now, in Jesus name. Amen. We come to Mount Peniel or as it's also described Penuel. And Peniel or Penuel was on the east of the river Jordan, just north of the river Jabbok. It was a mountainous region, an area where in the future the Israelites would build a tower upon it. Indeed, that fact is recorded and mentioned in Judges chapter 8, the verses 8 and 9, when Gideon was judge over Israel. And here in this passage in Genesis, we join Jacob once again. Twenty years have now passed since Jacob was saved upon Mount Bethel. You remember, if you were with us last week, that we looked at that time whenever Jacob was making his journey and he had left the family home. He had left Isaac and Rebekah and Esau behind. And he was making his way to Paran Aram. And he was making his way because of the sin in his life. And the deception, the lies and the pride in which he was living. And he had to leave his family and he was moving to his mother's side of the family. And there upon Mount Bethel we looked and we studied. At that time whenever he had that dream and the ladder going from earth even up to heaven, the angels ascending and descending upon it. We highlighted that that was the occasion, that was the time in his life when he came to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He understood his eyes were open to his great need of salvation. His eyes were open to the fact that there was only one who could save him, and his name was Jesus. There was only one way to have peace with God, and it was through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the coming Saviour in the years to come. Even Jacob looked forward to that time in faith that Christ would come and that Christ would die upon the cross for his sins. We, of course, we look back to that time and we look back with that faith within our hearts that what Christ Jesus did upon that cross, he accomplished and he finished that atoning work on our behalf. Well, 20 years have now passed for Jacob and in his life, even since that time. And as we said, he went out from his home with nothing. And yet as he returns once again to his own land, even in accordance with God's word that the Lord had promised to him that he would return. And that is what he is doing. He is returning, but he's not returning empty. And he's not returning as a poor man. He is returning indeed as a very, very wealthy man. And certainly the promises of the Lord to Jacob at Bethel had been wondrously fulfilled. He is now a man of great substance. He is a man of great wealth. And even as the Lord had predicted, he is being allowed to return to his own land, that land which the Lord had given to his family and to the heritage outside of the family. He is being allowed to return to it. As I said, 20 years have passed, 20 years since he was born again since he became a child of God and yet after 20 years he has still not surrendered his all to the Lord he does not trust God completely he does not prioritize the Lord and he does not prioritize the Lord's glory above all else even though he saved yet the old man 
has crept into Jacob again, even though he was that new creature in Christ Jesus, yet the old man is still having his way. You see, our souls are saved, but we still live within these sinful bodies. That's why the Apostle Paul would say, O wretched man that I am, because he realized we still give in to lusts and we still give in to the temptations and to the sins of this world, and that's the case even in the life of Jacob. We can see evidence of that and how he gets the cattle off Laban before he leaves. The cunningness, the deceit is still there. The twistedness, even as his name Jacob means. And you know, I wonder after all of these years, when you consider there was Jacob, a man saved 20 years. A man who had experienced a new birth in his life. A man who was a child of God. And yet after 20 years of salvation in his life, Yet he still had not surrendered his all to the Lord. You know, I wonder as you're listening to this this evening, and only you can answer, number one, if you are saved. And number two, how long you've been saved for. And maybe I'm speaking to one this evening and you've been saved for many years, maybe even decades. And yet you've never surrendered your life to the Lord. You've never surrendered your mind, your strength, your body your talents, you've never given it all to the Lord. That was Jacob. 20 years and still he's never surrendered his all. And Jacob, as he comes back into his homeland, he hears the news that Esau is coming. It's recorded for us in the verse 6 of chapter 32. The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and 400 men with him. Now this causes, that news causes great fear to enter into Jacob. That tells us there in the verse number 7, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And so instead of holding to those simple promises that the Lord had given to him, the promises of protection, the promises of provision, the promises of even that growth and that heritage that would come down through the, the inheritance and the heritage of Dave, or of Jacob, yet Jacob at this time, he doesn't fully trust the Lord. He hears the news, Esau's coming, he has 400 men. And Jacob looks around, he realizes all I have is my family, my children, my wives and my women's servants, that's all I have. And he thinks, oh, 400 men's a great army against what we have right now. Instead of holding to those promises, instead of trusting the Lord completely, he takes matters into his own hands. And yes, we'll draw attention to it. The verses 9 to 12, he does pray. He does seek the Lord, but it tells us, first of all, the verse 7, that he divided the people that was with him and the flocks. And he says in the verse 8, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And then he turns to prayer. In the verses 9 to 12, he prays. And yes, he quotes the promises of the Lord from Bethel. He hasn't forgotten them. He just has never trusted in them. And yet the next verse, he takes matters into his own hands. Verse 13, he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. He sends presents out. He's seeking to appease Esau. He's seeking to befriend him, seeking to soften 
the temperament of Esau. He believes Esau is coming with that a death desire even still upon Esau that he wants to kill his brother. That he's not coming in peace, but rather he's coming in war. Instead of, yes, he's prayed, he's cast his care upon the Lord. But here's the problem. He cast his care upon the Lord, but then he's taken it back with him. He didn't leave it with the Lord. And so he started to change. He started to try and work it all out into his own mind and work out a plan of how he would intervene and how he would change the circumstances and how he would survive even by his own strength. Verse 22, the first verse that we read together this evening, tells us that he couldn't sleep. He rose up that night. He wakes his family up. He doesn't even let them sleep on. The stress that is upon him is to the point where he wakes up his whole family circle. And in the middle of the night, he's causing them to pass over the Ford Jabbok. Such is a fear within him. That he even places his own family in danger. Remember it's dark. It's night time. And yet he doesn't wait till morning to cross over the Jabbok. He says in the middle of the night. Even with the young children. And all of the people and everything that was there. He's now forcing them. Come on. Get across the river. Get across the ford tonight. And then. And it's only then. Because verse 23 tells us he took them, he sent them over the Jabbok and sent over that he had. But then the verse 24, it says Jacob is left alone. You see, it's only then that the Lord meets with him at Peniel. There's three things I want you to see with me this evening in relation to this meeting, in relation to this experience upon Mount Peniel. I want you to see firstly the battle that he faced the battle that he faced. Verse 24, Jacob's left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Every detail, as we've highlighted in times past, every detail that is given to us in a narrative by the Holy Spirit is vital, is important. And we are to take note of every detail. And the detail of Jacob's isolation here is important. As I've said, Jacob has sent his family over the river and he remains behind alone. There's no one else with him. There's no other servant. There's no member of his family. Everyone is away from him. He is completely alone. And it is only then that God comes to him. It is only when we are alone that God has our attention. A.W. Pink, he said, to be left alone with God is the only true way of arriving at a just knowledge of ourselves. And the great question is, what does God think about us? And the answer to this question can only be learned when we are left alone. See, brethren and sisters, that's why there is a need for a closet prayer life. That's why there is a need for that prayer closet, even in your own life, in your own circumstances. That's why there is a need to spend time alone with the Lord. And I ask the question to you, when was the last time that you spent time alone with the Lord? When was the last time that you came away even from your your husband, your wife, your family? When was the last time that you got into a place, that closet area, whether it be another room in the house or whatever the case may be, that you got in, you shut the door and you were alone with God? 
Jacob is alone and tells us that a man comes. And they begin to wrestle. This man's no ordinary man. Hosea 12 in the verse 4, speaking of this occurrence, he Hosea writes and he says that Jacob had power over the angel. This is an angel. And it's no ordinary angel. I want you to see this is the angel of the Lord. In other words, this is the angel of the covenant. In other words, let me bring it even simpler to you. This is Jesus Christ. The appearances of Christ in the Old Testament are known as either theophanies or Christophanies. In other words, there are an appearance of Christ before his incarnation. There are a number of Christophanies within Scripture. I'll give two just for sake of time. We can mention the Christophany, the appearance of Christ to Joshua outside of Jericho in Joshua chapter 5. And Joshua there at that time, he's trying to formulate his battle plan. And it tells us that there a soldier comes towards him. And Joshua, he says, art thou for us or for our enemies? And the, the answer comes back, nay, but as captain of the host am I now come. That was Christ. And then we have another one in Daniel 3. And Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are placed and forced into the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, he gets up off his seat and he says, did not we cast three men in? I see a fourth, and he's like as unto the Son of God. Christophanies were an occurrence at different times within the Old Testament scriptures. And here, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is God himself wrestling with Jacob. And I want you to just ponder in those moment, or those words for just a moment, because it says, there wrestled a man with him. You see, it's not Jacob wrestling with the man. It isn't the case that Jacob comes and finds this man and begins to wrestle with him. Rather, it's the case that the man came to Jacob. And he is the one who begins the wrestling. He is the one that takes the initiative and commences this wrestle that will go on all through the night. In other words, it isn't Jacob trying to obtain something from the man. In other words, from God, but rather it's God seeking to obtain something from Jacob. And I believe that God is here seeking to gain complete control over Jacob. He's seeking to get Jacob's eyes off the material wealth. He's seeking to get Jacob's eyes off the worldly influences and all of the worldly concerns, including the coming of Esau. And he's seeking to get Jacob and to force Jacob and to, yea, break Jacob into completely looking and trusting and relying upon the Lord for everything. So Apostle Paul would say in Colossians 3 and verse 2 to set his affections on things above and not on things on the earth. The verses here in Genesis 32, it tells us, that they wrestled all night until the breaking of the day. And that wrestle, that fight went on all night. And Jacob simply would not yield. He simply would not give in. Remember the age here of Jacob. Jacob is a man now well on in years. He's not a young man anymore. And yet he will not give in. He will not give up. He will not yield. 
know, brothers and sisters, that's like so many Christians today. They simply will not surrender their all to the Lord. You know, some are like the Christian version, if we can use it, of Lot's wife. That they'd rather look back than look forward. They'd rather keep one eye on what they used to have. What they used to enjoy than simply looking forward towards the author and the finisher of their faith. And simply looking forward towards the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I think of the the chorus that's so well known. I have decided to follow Jesus. And the verses that follow after it, the cross before me, the world behind me. In other words, your eyes are towards the cross at all times. Then the next verse, should no one join me, still I will follow. In other words, there's just a dedication, a complete surrender, that we are living completely for the Lord Jesus Christ. And here was Jacob. He simply wasn't for giving up. God had to come in 20 years of salvation, 20 years of living, and 20 years of having peace with the Lord. And yet God had to come and wrestle with him. Wrestle with him, yea, all night to bring him to where he needed to be. The battle. Then secondly, I want you to see the verses 25 and 26. I want you to see the brokenness that he displayed. The brokenness that he displayed. The verse 25, when he saw that he prevailed not against him, touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. God wrestled with Jacob all night. Hour after hour they wrestled. Let me say this isn't, and this wasn't a sign of weakness on the part of God. Some might look at this verse and go, oh, Jacob's as strong as God. No, that's not the case. God is infinite in strength, infinite in power. But rather it's not a weakness in the part of God, but rather it shows us the patience, the long-sufferingness of the Lord. Even as Psalm 86 in the verse 15 says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and in truth. And the Lord gave here, All night long the Lord gave Jacob opportunity as he had done for 20 years in the past. Even when he came to him, he gave him opportunity all night long to simply surrender. And yet they wrestled all night. When God saw this man is not for surrendering, this man is not for yielding. It's interesting, God touched him. Just one touch. He could have touched him at any time during the night. But God wrestled with him all night. And when Jacob wouldn't surrender, God simply touched him. You know, that one touch of the Lord, it dislocates Jacob's hip. You see, my friend, the Lord can change everything in a moment. Oh, they wrestled all night, but yet the injury that Jacob sustained was not because of the wrestling. Yes, Jacob, you could say, oh, he was an older man, and yet he was a man, and he was strong, and he wrestled, and he wrestled. He was strong in mind. He was strong in will. You could almost say he was so stubborn. And yet when God touched him, 
In one moment, everything changed. In one moment, Jacob's resistance and Jacob's rebellion is broken. You see, that's the reality. The Lord can change all of our circumstances in an instant. We might think we have everything planned out for the future. We might think that we have everything and we know where we're going and we know what's going to happen in our lives and in our families' lives and everything else. And yet, in an instant, the Lord can change everything. My, we've seen that even this year, haven't we? Not one of us would have said in January, oh, by this time, there was such a thing as coronavirus and social distancing and all of those other measures and all of the terms that we've come to know and how much everything would have changed within the world. And yet, just in an instant, the Lord can change everything. You see, the Lord can change our health. Our instance, our, he can change our finances in an instant. He can change our families in an instant. He can change the community in an instant. The Lord, just with one touch, with one stroke, as it were, yes, he can change everything. And that one stroke or that one touch of the Lord, it physically broke Jacob. Yes, but it also mentally broke him. Because it was in that one touch that Jacob realized, I'm not wrestling with man. It's God who's wrestling with me. And in that moment, Jacob's will is broken. And do you notice even after that, that it tells us, and we can see even through the words that follow, that Jacob no longer wrestles. But right now he's just simply clinging to him. Because the Lord has to say to him in the verse 26, he says, let me go for the day breaketh. Jacob is literally, you can just imagine it, he has his arms around his legs. He's just clinging on to him for dear life. He will not let him go. In other words, now because his body, yes, is broken, but his will is broken. He is now utterly dependent upon the Lord. Why? Because the Lord has conquered Jacob's will. Jacob realizes there in that moment, in that instant, he cannot carry on doing his own thing. He cannot simply carry on living his life and following his own desires and following his own ideologies. And he completely turns to the Lord in repentance. And he was broken. Because as I mentioned already, Hosea 12 and 4, let's just read the whole verse it says, yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept. He wept and made supplication. As he clung to the Lord, even though physically he's hindered. Even though now he has that pain of his hip being out of joint. He's clinging to the Lord and he is weeping. And he is praying. Because I want you to see thirdly and finally, not only the battle and the brokenness, but then I want you to see the verses 27 and 28. I want you to see the blessing that he desired and also the blessing that he obtained. The verse 27, he said, what is thy name? Or the verse 26 at the end of it, he says, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. 
You know, Jacob's prayer as he clings even through those tears and that much supplication. It's a very simple, a very straightforward prayer. A very earnest prayer. A very revealing prayer. He's just crying unto the Lord and his complete dependence is upon the Lord. And he's simply saying, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. In other words, I have nothing and I am nothing without thee, Lord. And therefore I cannot look to anyone else and I cannot hold on to anyone else. I must and I will hold on to you. And he's just simply saying, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he prayed it and he wept over it. He supplicated for it. And he would not give up that request. Yes, he had stamina to wrestle all night. But I believe here he has the stamina to pray on into the morning. He has importunity in prayer. You see, it's important to remember the blessings of God are not given in a way that would encourage laziness. It's not a case that we just simply pray once and the Lord will just give us everything that we want the first time. That's not how it works. The Lord looks for us to come and to supplicate time and again. He looks for us to see and to appreciate, to understand that our complete dependency is upon the Lord. We need him for everything. And if we are to seek for the blessings, then yea, we must strive for them, we must work for them in the place of prayer. I think of the words that are found in Luke 11, the verses 5 to 8. Lord Jesus, he gives the parable of the journeying man. That man comes and he knocks the door asking for bread. And he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. And the housekeeper, he's in bed for the night. His children are all in bed as well. And he only gets up because of the constant knocking. The journeying man had a came and just knocked once and then left because there was no answer. The man would never get up. But the man... As he journeyed and he came to the house and he's asking for bread. He knocks and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. And then the housekeeper gets up. You know when we think of that, that was just a normal man. And then you apply that to the Lord. The one who is gracious. The one who loves us. The one who desires to bless us. And so when we come and ask and ask and ask and knock and knock and knock upon the door of heaven, seeking the blessings, seeking the windows of heaven to be opened, seeking the, seeking the Lord to rend the heavens and to come down, when we cry and we seek it time and time again, then the Lord will hear from heaven and the Lord will heal the land. And Jacob here, he never gave up. He clung on to the Lord until the Lord gave the blessing. The child of God, may we cling on and cling on. And may we never let go until the blessings from heaven fall. You know, there at Peniel, the blessings did come. Jacob's name is changed to Israel in the verse 28. The Lord simply said to him, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. 
Israel is made up of two words, Isra, meaning warrior or contender, and the El, of course, meaning God. Israel or Israel, the warrior for God. And Jacob here now, he has the new name Israel. He's a warrior for God, even though physically he's impaired. And verse 31, it tells us he's impaired and he's never the same again. Because it tells us, the verse 31, as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. He wasn't able to walk the same way. And so as Esau would have been coming, understand this, as Esau was coming, remember he split his family into two. That if the first half of the family and all his possessions were taken, that the second half would be able to run and get away. Jacob now can't run. Jacob now will not be able to outrun any man at all. And yet he's now called the warrior of God. 1 Corinthians 1 to verse 27. Paul writing there to the church, he says, God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. No Jacob or Israel, he receives power. Even no physically impaired, physically pained. Yet he receives power. He receives power with God and he also receives power with men. He receives an understanding also, an appreciation of the presence of God. He says here, I have seen God face to face. My life is preserved. He understands something of the presence of God. Remember, God is omnipresent. In other words, everything is present before him. Too often we don't sense his presence. As I said, we live our lives before the Lord. Everything is present, such as the magnitude of God. Everything is present before him. And yet so often we do not sense his presence. But here at Peniel, it was very clear to Jacob. I have seen God face to face. Now, of course, for us today, we don't see the Lord face to face. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve reminds us we see through a, cla a glass darkly but then face to face there is coming a day when each child of god will see the lord face to face absolutely and we look forward and we long for that day but it is a wonderful blessing even in our church services and even in our private lives and even in the home setting or in the car setting wherever it may be when we experience and we know a sense of god's nearness and god's presence with us it's a real blessing. After all, as it's so often said, it's his presence which maketh the feast. You know, this experience changed Jacob forever. Yes, physically, but it also changed him mentally and spiritually. For the first time in his life, Jacob is now fully surrendered to God. God conquered him here at Peniel. And then God blessed him. A.W. Tozer, he said, The Lord cannot fully bless a man until he has first conquered him. 
You might say, oh, but the Lord had, sure, over those 20 years. Look how much wealth he has. Look at the size of his family. Yes, that's only material things. And yes, that's a blessing to a certain extent. But the real blessings for a child of God are not material, but spiritual. Not earthly, but heavenly. That's where the real blessings are for a, a born-again believer. To know the presence of the Lord. To have power with the Lord and with man. And to know his presence. To know his blessing. You know, I wonder tonight as we close, has the Lord conquered us? Has he conquered our minds? Has he conquered our hearts? See, it's only when the Lord has full control over you that then he can truly bless you. And let me encourage each one, if you're not saved and you're listening to this, give the Lord your life. Repent of your sins. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. Confess him as Lord in your life. If you are saved and you're still holding on to the old things, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face that the things of this earth may go strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Oh, give God the glory even by surrender this night. Surrender your all to him. It to be the greatest and the most blessed time in your life whenever the Lord has full control over everything that you have and everything that you are. Let's have a word of prayer as we close. Father in heaven, we bow before thee. We thank thee, O God, once again for thy word. We thank thee for that mercy even with Jacob. Lord, wrestling in that evidence of your long suffering and your patience but lord we acknowledge thy grace thy power lord we just pray that thou wilt be near to us and bless enable us O god in these days to surrender our all to thee and to give up everything in this world to serve thee and to follow thee to trust thee O god we pray that thou wilt even give those penile experiences to men and women this night be with us and bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Word of thanks once again for joining us. And may the Lord bless each one, even at this time.